Hey y'all, I'm doing an intro for this next podcast because we had some real fun technical difficulties. Uh, My phone kept going off for no reason and somewhere in the middle we kind of lost some Wi-Fi connection but just wait it out because we get back on track. Anyway, I want to give another really um, shout out of thanks to Karen for letting me interview her and talk about aging. Hey everyone, I'm back and I have a special guest, super excited, Karen R, a different Karen R. Um, Once you hear her voice, you'll know different Karen R. And we are talking more about um, aging um, in recovery, you know, being women who have eating disorders and degrees of body image dysmorphia and having to go through the aging process. So I invited Karen here to kind of tell her story. So Karen, um, where would you like to start? Well, where would you like to start, Nicole? Well, kind of um, like how we talked about before, like we want to sort of end on the aging period, but like right. what your relationship to your body growing up, like were you fine? Did you have body image dysmorphia? Like, Oh, I definitely, like- I don't know that I had body image dysmorphia, but I definitely had body image issues. I mean, okay. growing up, I was, I was, I would say until I was probably, oh, in college, I was, I, I varied from like being heavy to very heavy. And so I just absolutely hated my body. Mm. Um, I felt completely, um, I, I think I just like hid an angry person behind a lot of excess body. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had, um, very thin girlfriends and lots of friends and was always like in the cool popular group but never the one with the boyfriend and I just figured that's how I was that's how I was wired and I was going to be like that for the rest of my life and there was nothing I could do about it except go on diets and break diets and go on diets and break diets what happened when you got to college? Well, I was determined my senior year of high school to enter college a thin version of myself. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Um, I figured that was going to be like a new starting point. I wasn't going to be the fat girl. I was going to be thin Karen. And so I went on the Scarsdale diet, which if you're of a certain age, you might remember. And I'm from Scarsdale. And um what was I went on it. Oh, the Scarsdale diet was a two week diet that was just like a fad in the 70s. And it was started by um, a doctor in Scarsdale, New York. And then there was like a big, then he was murdered by his nurse. So there was like big drama around this guy. However, the diet was just like this two week diet that, that was very fatty. And, um, you were only supposed to go on it for two weeks and, you know, you would drop like whatever, 10, 15 pounds. And, um, and I went on it for like, I think I went on it for maybe three or four months and I entered college thin Karen. 
And um, was the Scarsdale diet like grapefruit and tab? No, it was just, it was this weird diet with like protein bread. Mm. And each day, each day you ate a particular thing. And I don't remember, it was like right. one day, I don't know, for dinner, it would be like hamburger and fruit, right. all you wanted. You know, and in theory, I, I guess looking back, it was probably like a high protein, low fat diet kind of thing. Right. Okay. And um, and and so yeah, so when I went to college, um, I started out thin, Karen, and um, that was that, you know, turned out to be impossible to sustain, but I got a taste of what it would be like to all of a sudden get a lot of attention and be able to like wear all of the clothes that I wanted to wear and all of the cute this and the cute that and um and that didn't last very long before I got into like the whole yo-yo thing again mm -hmm. of like so I would starve myself I would write starvation contracts and sign them and I would so I would eat I think I would eat nothing all day long until 11 o'clock at night and then I'd go to the bar downtown there were two bars in the town where I went to college and one was for townies and one was for the college students we'd go down to that bar I'd get a light beer and a little bag of like a poor man's version of Fritos and I did that for like six days <laughs> yeah. I so did things like that thin, did you like your body even when you were thin um, you know, I, I don't even remember, like it was, well, it, at that point, I don't remember because it was so fleeting, it was so quick that like, you know, I, I was, and I don't even know what I liked and I didn't like, because I was so, whether I was thin or I was heavy, I was still in the disease so that right. I was clueless. I just like, I didn't know if I was happy or sad, or I just thought <laughs> I was just like angry or you're like ecstatic. Those were my two emotions. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but I will say after college, I moved to New York City. It was the 1980s, like aerobics hit the fan. And, you know, like, yeah, I was That's a member it, of like physical, physical, unbelievable, yeah. all of it. And I went to like three different studios, four different studios and a dance studio and a this studio and a that studio. And I rollerbladed all over New York and I got really, really super thin and hard bodied. And, um, and then I do remember like loving my body. Okay. But See. not loving myself. Right. <laughs> I right. loved my body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, it sort of reminds me, I'm going to age myself here, which is fine because we're talking about aging. Um, do you remember Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta, the movie Perfect? You know, yeah. she, she's yeah. an aerobics instructor and he's a reporter and he's trying to, she's like, what's wrong with wanting to be perfect, you know? And yeah. So well, you left the hard body, you felt like you had arrived in terms of yeah I definitely felt like I had arrived body-wise I thought it was hot as shit and um <laughs> you know all of the things that I could yeah. never do like I had I must have had like 15 bikinis at that point oh. I would like run on the beach in bikinis I thought I was amazing yeah um but I was kind of crazy too mm -hmm. and so I just like proved to myself that you know the myth was a myth 
right which is you know like if I'm thin and if I'm right you know whatever I'll be happy so that wasn't true right so is that what got you into program um so here you are you love your body but you're feeling crazy right and that's when I came into program and I came into program because I was such a nut job and I knew I was such a nut job that I I don't think you're supposed to say nut job anymore in fact I was listening to (laughs) I was listening to an interview where the person who had a diagnosed you know illness mental illness said that was one of the things that she would prefer not being called um however (laughs) since it's myself I feel like I have the freedom to call myself whatever so I I came into program because I thought that I was going to I thought my my then boyfriend who's my now husband was going to leave me Uh, I came I was I was afraid of that relationship like disintegrating and being abandoned because I was so nuts I was so crazy I mean I would yeah I would walk up and down the street saying that I couldn't eat at this restaurant this restaurant this we lived in New York City so we never ate we never cooked anything we never had anything in our refrigerator really yeah and um yeah and and I thought I would drive him away because I was like so nuts and and so bitchy I was really bitchy so I re- it's funny that you're bringing that up because that's something I remember um, when you told your story one time was you you always talk about going from restaurant to re- restaurant, not being able to find anything that fit your whatever diet it was. And then if you were with people and they settled on a restaurant that you you would just sit there, drink Diet Coke and just be steaming with resentment. So yes. I always remembered that part of your story. Yes, that was, that was a, that was a regular activity (laughs) for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was really charming. (laughs) So then you get into program and was it, um, when you, when you got into program, was there any point in your recovery process that you looked at your relationship to your body or was it just all about the food? that you kind of focused on? Um, you know, it, oof. it was kind of intertwined mm-hmm. in that I, you know, I realized that my like aversion to anything like curvy mm-hmm. or like soft body wise you know, paralleled my aversion to being vulnerable Mm. in that, you know, the hard body was safe. And along with like being kind of aggressive and being assertive and being very rigid, like, you know, my body was, my body kind of like mirrored my, um, my character at the yeah time. your affect yeah. yeah so again a strong body strong front so again mm-hmm. wanting to present yourself as a sort of force to be reckoned with and then of course in your mind if you're soft then that equaled vulnerability which then meant that you were open for ridicule or just 
Who so knows? Maybe knows? pain. I didn't even know. Oh, like, yeah. Because I didn't allow myself to to even go there or feel that. Yeah. But One definitely, of my like, muscles were, yeah. you know, I would equate muscles with, you know, strength. Yeah. Like, emotional strength. Yeah. One of my therapists called it my inner Amazon, you know, nice. and that I always <laughs> led with my Amazon. Like she was always going to be the first person you met. Like as long as we first established that you better not fuck with me, then I could be nice. As long as we established that first. Exactly. And that was that sort of, again, like I call it fronting. Like I was very good at fronting, mm. you know? And I also, I had a similar idea of like, not that vulnerable, not that vulnerability equaled weakness in the sense of like a weak character, but it was basically that it's kind of like, you know, how dogs show their underbelly, that if I showed you my underbelly, it was an invitation to attack me. And, um, and so just this very cautious, protective aspect, because I grew up in a crazy family where it, that kind of was, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just the craziness of alcoholism, but also I came from a, you know, very sort of caustic Catholic background where kind of knocking each other down with our humor was just part of the family dialogue. So you never wanted to give anyone an opening. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Right. No, that was the same thing in my family. Although not Catholic, we were like very, very brutally sarcastic. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Brutally sarcastic. And it was like the humor was someone was going to be the butt of it. It was always like that was going to be the joke is like whatever dumbass thing someone just did, you know, Okay. Mm-hmm. you know, and so again, you just really wanted to, you had to be on your toes, man, you know? Yeah. So, but you know, honestly, like most of this stuff, like I can back into it yeah. in my head and figure out now, like why I did this and how it, none of this was intentional. Like oh, not, yeah, nothing no. was intentional. Right. Right. Well, or it's kind of even, like if you're you're swimming in it, you can't describe the water if you're in it. Right. Right. Whereas today, if I behave in a certain way, I can feel what and why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the awareness is so is so much. Well, it's, everything's much more clear now. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think that's from just doing a lot of inventory stuff or is that just with age comes wisdom or do you think that you've cultivated that ability um i think a lot of it is like practice working the steps practice using the tools practice you know talking about it writing about it therapy you know and probably just a little bit of age and experience too yeah so my phone keeps going off and i can't figure out why it's not no one's calling me no one's there no no one's there it's nothing it's just like what but anyway yeah so back to like you come into the rooms you start doing the uncover discover discard and then does your relationship to your body still like what was the journey from like wanting a strong body to equal strength and to not being afraid of softness or did you do that um well I think it it was kind of about 
like developing trust. So I never had really any kind of trust. So it was learning to trust like other people while well, learning to trust the program mm -hmm. in that, you know, if I didn't diet, if I ate, like when I came to program, I had eliminated so many food, you know, I like, I just didn't eat any, I didn't eat meat. I didn't eat cheese. I didn't eat eggs. I didn't eat butter. I didn't eat sweets. I don't know what I ate, but so <laughs> like I ate cardboard. And so, you know, initially it was about adding back foods and trying them and like, you know, separating um, moral and ethical issues from the foods itself. So mm -hmm. foods were no longer going to be bad or good or, you know, or right. sinful or none of that. And so, so I did that and, um, you know, my absence is not binging, not purging, so I can eat anything. And mm -hmm. I, I started, you know, trying things out. Like I would, I would buy a Snickers bar. Well, actually, and New York City is like so brilliant. You can buy one bite of anything in New York City. Awesome. Right. Like they're it's packaged that way. Yeah. And so um, I would buy like a one mini Snickers, yeah. you know, one of those teeny tiny ones. And like I'd eat that as dessert and then I'd go on and I'd eat yeah. whatever my normal foods were. And then like one night I would have pizza yeah. and then time would go on and like my body didn't change. Oh, and wow. so I trusted, I was like, oh, these foods really aren't bad and I'm not right. going to become enormous. And it's really, yeah. it, it's just not about like, it's not about that. And, um, and so. And gosh, how old I, were you around this when this was happening? What age are you in? Well, I came into program when I was 26 or to no, no, I was 27, I think 27. So I was in my late twenties early thirties. I was in New York city for the first four or five years of program and then moved to Oregon. And soon afterwards, soon after moving here, I guess I was 34 and I got pregnant. Okay. So what was that like in program? Yes. So I was like thrilled that I had this program with all of these tools to use, you know, allowing myself to like have whatever I had a craving for but not going overboard and like trying to stay in this like range of um reasonable and healthy and meanwhile you know talking about it with people in program and a sponsor I think I had a sponsor maybe I didn't have a sponsor at the beginning it took me a while to get a sponsor in Oregon actually mm -hmm. and um but I did talk about it I mostly went to Al-Anon meetings to, then, though. Um, Sorry? Did you stay connected to your New York people, too? I did for a while. Okay. But then yeah. lost then lost touch. Well, I was just thinking the transition where you come here, you're not quite plugged into OA. Did you Were you still plugged into New York a little bit, or was there a period where you were just sort of running around unattended? Yeah, I was unattended. Well, I was. what I did was... I went daily to Al-Anon meetings because oh, I thought okay. that the OA meetings in Oregon sucked. And Okay, can just... we pause? Because <laughs> sorry, people that we know and love, but so did I. I came oh. from San Francisco, so I was like, I was used to a very big, strong fellowship, and so it was really hard to go from that 
to Oregon. Now I know they don't suck. It's just like they're 20, 30 years behind. Right. So in terms of the size and the availability and anything like that. But again, we love you, Oregon, but that was my feeling too. So, well, and again, you know, it may have been me. Maybe my head was just, you know, up my ass for a while. Who knows? I could probably attest to that <laughs> as well. But it was, yeah, my, my sense of entitlement was, you know, yes. very confronted. So, so yeah, so I was, I was going to Al Anon meetings and I really didn't go to OA meetings at all. In fact, at the time, I was going to Al-Anon meetings at the Alano Club, and I tried to start an OA meeting at the Alano Club, which didn't exist then. It was like, this was like, what, 28 years ago or something. And I remember being told, sorry, but food is not the same thing. We're not going to let you have a meeting here. And I was like, oh, great. Wow. <laughs> so so that didn't happen. It, I mean, it, there are meetings there now, but there wasn't. So anyway, so what happened? So... Yeah. So I just, so there you are, you're pregnant. And then I did pretty well. Like I didn't love, I guess I just, I didn't gain that much weight. I mean, I didn't even let, I never even found out what I weighed. I haven't weighed myself. I've weighed myself once since I came into program. So once in like 34 years or something. Right. And I wasn't even weighing myself. Like I became really well-practiced at going into a doctor's appointment and saying like, I don't weigh. They'll be like, please get on this. I was like, I don't weigh. Like, that's it. Me too. No, yeah. Like not up for discussion. Yeah. But I figured while I was pregnant, it, it would be responsible to let them gauge yeah. weight gain. Yeah. So I let them weigh me and I had to like instruct like, Every single time you have to say like, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't put the chart near me. Don't tell me because, you know, inevitably they fail or they say something or they like leave the chart right in front of your face. Or so, this happened to me, which is I say what? that and the woman's like, oh, okay. And then when she writes it down, she's whispering it to herself. <laughs> I'm like, because certain people can only read while they move their lips. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, you did not just do that with me in the room. You know what I mean? So. That's so funny. Yeah. So I'm with you. Now I'm like, no, my doctor says I'm fine. You know. Right. Yeah. But anyway. So, yeah. So I was kind of into it. I mean, you know, I, I remember the first three months I ate like grilled cheese and French fries. All I wanted was fried foods. And then it kind of evened out after that. It wasn't until the third trimester that I could eat salads again. But I just like followed along and. I gained like 25 pounds. It was pretty reasonable. And, and I took pictures of myself every month from the side, like Polaroids. Uh, so I thought like, I was like, I mean, I realized I had had enough programs to realize like I was supposed to get bigger. Yeah. You no, know, it was healthy for a baby to be fed. I wasn't going to yeah. like fuck it up. I mean, Did your relationship <laughs> to your buddy change at all in the fact that a little human was growing in you or was it still about like making sure that you didn't gain too much no no I I thought it was super cool I was just like focused on you know is it kicking what is it yeah, what's it doing yeah. the thing I hated about my body during pregnancy was that my chest got so freaking big and that <laughs> was just like I, I mean <laughs> I, yeah. I couldn't stand that. I could uh, not stand that. Yeah. I actually hate that about right now where I feel like I'm a little bit, 
um, heavier than I had been up until maybe five years ago or so. And I carry some of that in my chest and I hate it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So after you have the baby, and yeah. I know being a birth partner twice that, um, you know, you don't, you leave the hospital looking like you're four months pregnant. Like what was your relationship with right. your body like? That and were you pregnant the worst. just one time or was it, did you have? No, twice. Twice. Okay. So that was, was the worst. And it was nothing compared to my body after delivering. Okay. I'm losing you a little bit. So let's see if you come back. Just fall off. And that oh, nurse for like are. a. Oh, you are? Uh-oh. Yeah. Am I back? You're back. Okay. So, so um, you were saying okay. like something was the worst. Oh, yeah. Being pregnant was nothing compared to my body after giving birth. Okay. Because it was just like mush. Ah. Mush. I was like a big pile of mush. And people would say things like, oh, well, if you nurse, it'll just fall off. And that was like a crock of shit. I nursed for like, I don't know, 13 or 14 months. It took me like, it took me a good two years Uh to feel like I was back in, in my somewhat normal body. And did you then get pregnant again? Or was it two years after your second child? It was two years after my first. And then I, my kids are three years apart. Okay. So just when <laughs> so you there feel was some like time, you got your but... body back, you're like, oh, I'm pregnant, you know? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then it was, gosh, after my second one, I think it was another like year and a half before I felt like, okay. Was it easier with the second one since you had gone through the first? I mean, in terms of like the weight and gaining and like, oh my God, my boobs are so big and. Or was it equally as bad Um, or worse? It was kind of worse because the fascination of the whole thing was no longer there. I already knew what it was like. I just kind of wanted it to be over and done with. Like I just wanted to produce the child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas at first it was like, oh, this is so cool. Look what happens. Oh my God. It's nature. You're enamored enamored with the process. Yeah. 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 The novelty of it. So let's jump to, oh, no, go ahead. You're going to say something. Now what I was thinking, I did go to meetings. Like I went to meetings through that whole thing. There was a meeting that I used to go to um, in Beaverton where they had daycare in the room next door. Mm-hmm. And it was like free daycare during the meeting. And oh, awesome! I didn't care how shitty the meeting was like free daycare. Where, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I actually met some people that I'm I'm still, you know, close with in program at that meeting. And I guess why how did I feel about my I don't even know. Then things became a blur, just like life became a blur. Right. Cause you've got like the little ones now. Yeah. So let's go ahead and go to like so the second pregnancy. I mean, who has time to think about your body? Like, you've just got two little kids, blah, blah, blah. But then you get into your 40s. And in our 40s, I think, is when we really start to experience, I don't know if this is true for you, but 
for myself, like aging, you know, we start to get like, cause when you're 40, you could tell someone you're 40 and they're like, oh my God, you look so young. Right, you right. know what I mean? They're like, I can't believe you're 40, you know? But then as you go through your forties, people stop saying that, you know what I mean? Like you start to like have the lines on your face. You start to, you know, I don't know, show like visibly show age. What did you yeah. have the experience, you know, with that? Uh, you know, I really, my forties were good <laughs> body wise. Yeah. They I mean, really, I and, loved my forties, but I just realized towards the end, like, oh, I'm actually like looking older now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the whole thing hasn't really hit me, hadn't really hit me hard until really like six-ish years ago. Oh, okay. And I'm 61 right now. Okay. So that would be when, when I was 55. 55, okay. Things start, when I was 50, I remember my 56th birthday thinking, things are really starting to change. Right. And what was starting to change, not so much, um, not so much like visibly, but like I couldn't maintain by eating the same mm-hmm. or by exercising the same. Yeah. Like, like the equation was changing. Yeah. yeah. The equation. Definitely. I also, you know, experienced that, you know, and in my forties, the equation was train changing and I wasn't ready for it. Meaning like, I wasn't ready to just let myself be 10 pounds heavier. I was like, no, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made adjustments and now like I'm 52 and I'm like, yeah, we're, uh, that's fine. Let's just, you know, I'm not going to work harder to maintain my 30 year old body. I'm going to be like, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm eating the same, moving the same and the equation's changing and I'm going to just be like, okay. <laughs> you know? I know that's what I'm, that's what I'm dealing with now. And I'm not willing to. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like what I eat and when I eat is very reasonable. Yeah. You know? And sometimes how much I eat of what I'm eating is most probably more than what I need. Yeah. I would imagine. I don't know. But I, I'm not particularly willing to make changes there. Yeah. I am willing to make changes in not how much I exercise or how frequently, but what I'm doing. Mm. Like my thought is, oh, well, maybe my body's just really used to, like I do yoga every single day. Yeah. Like, well, maybe my body's really used to that. So maybe if I did something else, you know, every other day, yeah. instead of that, it would have an effect. I, like I'm willing to make those kinds of, have those kinds of experiments, but that's kind of yeah. the not willing to do anything dramatic yeah it's like no way (laughs) and what about just you know gravity or aging or things sagging or whatever did you have any sort of you know do you recall or were you just sort of like comfortable with it or no I hate it 
Yeah. It's happening now. It's like now between 60 and 61 that I'm really noticing a difference in, um, in like loose skin. Yeah. yeah. And loose skin and what else? And like a little bit of gels. I get but, oh, definitely jowls. I hate jowls. I always pretend I'm having a facelift. I have a number of friends who are having facelifts right now. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm always tempted, but I'm totally fearful of any kind of yeah. <laughs> surgery. So I don't do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely jowls. I don't like jowls. I don't like flat butt. I have like no butt. No I know. butt. Just goes yeah. flat. Yep. Hangs. Yep. Um, the white girl curse yeah yeah lots of things oh and the like skin tone you know like I notice like lighter spots where my skin's not making pigment pigment anymore and also like sun spots or age spots I hate it I hate all of that yeah I'm having patches which is weird of where um uh my skin is like just a patch where it's rough it doesn't make any sense. Like I'm not rubbing it. It's not, I'm like, what is happening? You know, it's just very weird. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the top of my feet, I mean, I wear socks. I don't, my, I wear slip on shoes. Like it's not rubbing up against anything, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just all of a sudden appearing. And, and I just remember, um, one of my, my second family, my, parents uh mentioning like oh yeah your body starts to do all these weird things you know and I'm like oh great (laughs) I know yeah it just sucks I hate getting old (laughs) I really do I love getting older and I love getting wiser I I find that um it's really pushing my like my program in the sense of you know my faith and my spirituality around do I want to be happy do you know what I mean and what I mean by that is um uh okay how like I want to love myself totally and unconditionally so one of the things I try to practice is is like literally saying to myself will you love me now you know what I mean like okay this is sagging over here will you love me now I told my friend the other day, I said, just so you know, I never pluck my eyebrows. They're just disappearing on me. <laughs> oh, okay. No, we totally have to talk about eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, well, I'll tell you in what, yeah. And but then just that I'll, idea, like, okay, will you love me now? Now, now we've got a little bit of a gel. And not in a mean way, but it's like, we've done all this work around self-acceptance self-love and yeah, everything yeah will you love me now you know well, that's what I think comes with age in program and having worked a program for so many years is you know I feel like I have perspective yeah I feel like you know I'm not going to do anything nuts just because yeah. I don't like you know a roll around my waist I don't think that means I won't be loved like none of those things it's not going to keep me from wearing a bathing suit it's not going to keep me from going swimming or going to the beach like I'm not going to deprive myself because of any of these things yeah and it's just it's it's not as important as it used to be yeah and I'm just really grateful that I have the apparently because you know my hair I used to have a lot of hair 
it was always very fine, but I had a lot of it. You know, thank God I did. Okay. Because I've probably got about half as much now. Um, and then I've got like my eyebrows are disappearing. So. My eyebrows fade. So I have eyebrows like right near the nose bridge yeah. and then they start disappearing. So it's just yeah. funny that you mentioned it because I've been kind of obsessively going up to, you know, like it seems like all of the um, nurses and receptionists and and whatnot um, at the various doctor's appointments that I've been going to, they've That's all tattoo. had microblading, right? Yeah. And so I'm just like, they're like, do you have any more questions? I'm like, yes, where did you get your eyebrows done? <laughs> and I have like all these referrals and I've been researching it and I'm tempted. I'm like yeah. so close, I might do it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny because I can still just do a pencil and it works fine, you know what I mean? But again, yeah, yeah. the point of like, things that like no one told me that you know what I mean like I had to find out from I didn't know women lost hair I didn't know that because I didn't really know that either actually exactly until it started happening to me and then then you find out like oh no alopecia is like it's all over it women and the reason why you don't see it in women as much is because estrogen is what kind of creates a barrier to the alopecia oh. so it's that's why typically when women have gone through menopause it's it's estrogen or progesterone one of them but that's why when women go through menopause you'll start to see that their hair gets thinner or whatever but um but yeah women we we have it the exact same percentage as men but men don't have the estrogen to slow it down or whatever it does. I had to find that out by looking and going like, what the fuck, you know? And I went to, you know, a dermatologist and he said, oh, you have male, male pattern baldness. I was like, what? And then oh, I, thanks. <laughs> right. And so I left and my hairdresser said, oh, you don't. You, Cause I had so much hair, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's like, no, you don't. So then I went to a different dermatologist. She said the same thing. I said, look, this is making me crazy. How can you get a definitive answer? She said, we'd have to do a biopsy. I said, do it because I think I'm losing my hair. I've got some people telling me I am. I got some people telling me that I'm not. So she did a biopsy and she said, yeah, you have alopecia. And then yeah. that's when she told me that, you know, I'm losing hair slowly because of estrogen because again right. I didn't know women lost their hair and so that was when the big secret came out you know so yeah the body changes and crazy you know yeah so girls who are listening yeah if you think your hair's thinning it probably is <laughs> <You know? laughs> on the plus side yes here's the plus side I used to pay to get my eyebrows waxed I don't have to. No mas. <laughs> yeah, no mas. I just save money there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I used to get my eyebrows waxed. I still get them waxed actually, but and tinted. And now I'm like, what's the point? You can't tint my skin. <laughs> like I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the other thing is I don't have to shave my legs anymore. I know. I, I do some, I do like once every few months. Yeah. Cause I mean the hair, we, you just, we lose our body hair. I know. Yeah. So, 
you know, anything like, so again, we've got some, you know, youngins listening or um, I know a couple like just had their second child and start, you know, in terms of sort of our closing, you know, stories or comments, anything that you would like, maybe if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, you know, what, is there any advice you would give around like, Really, I would, I would give myself, I would tell myself to work this program very hard. Yeah, me too. Because the amount of, you know, the peace of mind that comes with it, the, the again, the perspective, the, the degree of acceptance, and um, it's huge. And that's what carries me through any, you know, any difficult issue right so um it helped me through the pregnancies just working the steps yeah and now again it just kind of gives me that perspective of like this isn't that important this isn't what's important in life like what's important is helping others it's relationships it's you know it's people so no one's gonna no one's going to dump me because my arm is wrinkly. Right. The chicken, <laughs> chicken wings. We didn't even talk about the chicken wings. I don't I even know. know if you have any. I do. No, I do. I do. I totally do. So, and the <laughs> other thing is, is that we both, I don't know about you, but as I can speak to, I was a woman who was big and then lost weight. Mm-hmm. So I'm really noticing, um, uh that the gravity because my skin was looser you know I'm noticing I'm like okay yeah you know because it wasn't really tight and firm the whole time I was alive it's like no it spent years being really stretched out yeah and I learned um that uh fat cells and and skin cells they don't disappear they just shrink you know, and so you mm-hmm. don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's true about, I think it's true about skin cells. Like as your body stretches, it makes more skin cells as it expands. Right. It doesn't, you don't lose those skin cells. They just, oh, okay. they just get smaller. Yeah. So, um, but I want to sort of circle back to what you said. And, and I would think that what I would tell people is, is that Um, aside from everything that you said, Karen, is believe it or not that it's Al-Anon. And the reason why is because one of the sort of, if you sort of, you know, whittled Al-Anon down to a core concept, it's it's about not being able to control things, mm-hmm. you know, and having to let go of control and having to accept life on life's terms. So there's a lot of that. And so I really think that it was like my practice in Al-Anon around having what it meant to not be in control of something and the tools that I had to use around just accepting life on life's terms uh, just over and over and over again in in addition to my OA program Mm -hmm. I think really helped me 
um, around like, yeah, and I can't control my aging process, you know, right. and I can't control how I feel about my aging process. Like it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? To have moments where I'm like, I really am not enjoying this, you know, and just be like, yeah, okay. You know, I get to have, you know, some moment, some time, like having my feelings about it. And then I, I'm like, well, I don't want to get stuck here. So right. let me get out of self and be of service to someone else. Mm-hmm. Or let me write a gratitude list and realize how unimportant this is. Right. You know, like what my skin is doing right now. It's like, really? You know? And that, and also, I just know I'm not the best judge, right? Yeah. I have days, like, as I said, I go to yoga like every day. So I'm looking at myself in very little spandexy clothes in the mirror every day. And there are days when I'm like, look great what are you talking about hey you're 61 you look awesome yeah and the next day yeah I'm horrified yeah so what so that's like totally you know there there's no basis of truth there that's just like disease twisted who knows what right so here's how I knew I had body image dysmorphia specifically it was a little bit related to I'm going to share some of my fucking crazy. When I worked at the law firm, you know, I, I drank, I drink, you know, beverages all day long. So I'm constantly going into the bathroom and it had like, you know, it was a woman's bathroom. It had a full, full wall mirror. Right. And every time I went in there, I'd look at myself and I, I didn't like what I saw except around 11, there was something around like the lot. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was like, somehow around there when I'd go to the bathroom and see myself I'd be like oh you look great then later on when I saw myself I was like oh it was all in your head you you know so it became Mm -hmm. this pattern that I was able to realize like oh you only think you look good like around like this time and the rest of the time you avoid looking at yourself in the mirror that's crazy you know and so that was one of the you know indication because nothing had changed that makes perfect sense yeah (laughs) I was just like okay you know and then I remember and and just just because we're on this topic I want to say that I remember uh sitting in an OA meeting I had lost all the weight I um was working working out going to a gym everything I was wearing and I still thought I needed to lose weight. And this whole thing with the bathroom mirror was happening. And I started to understand body image dysmorphia. And I was sitting in a meeting and I was, and I felt real grief that I would never actually, and I don't know if this is true, but at the time I was like, that I would never actually know what I really looked like because my Mm -hmm. gaze was so skewed that I couldn't really see myself. And and I wanna add to this, um, Karen, that I, I had also taken a psychology class and they, they told about an experiment where there was this beautiful painting and they would have people come in and look at it and they would be timing them. Well, down at the bottom, there was um, like a smudge. 
and not even in an artsy way, like a classical painting and like someone had smudged it. So they would be in awe of this beautiful the first time, and then they would time how long it took them to see that <laughs> smudge. And it would be quite a long time. Then they'd take those same people, bring them in again, and immediately their eye would go to the smudge. Right. And right. then it got to be that the people who they kept bringing back could no longer see the painting. They could only see like this imperfection that was ruining the painting. Yeah, yeah. And and so I had that in the back of the mind. And so I did sort of experience grief around, you know, that I, I, I my gaze is skewed with perfectionism and hypercriticalness. And I won't be able to look at my body and see me the way that my loving friends see me. And I felt a little bit of grief about that. Like, mm. that it just felt like such a loss. So. True. It's also a little bit of a relief. <laughs> 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 to know that there are so many other people that just think we look lovely. <laughs> <laughs> And they do. Thank goodness. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Karen. I really, really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing these podcasts, despite like phones going off when they're not supposed to and right, right. Wi-Fi, whatever. I'm like, I don't even care. It's just doesn't matter. No, this is fun. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you very much. Let me go ahead and stop recording.